What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 93.4. And we are continuing our trek through Horizon Zero Dawn. This episode is going to be all about the DLC that was released, The Frozen Wilds. Uh, today I have with me Matt. Hello, friends. And Anthony. Hello. So we finished Horizon Zero Dawn proper. And now we moved on to the DLC. Uh, with no gaps. With no gaps, yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. Um, we just didn't want, really wanted, didn't want to get burned out on The Witcher. You know? It's, it's a big one to... You know, it's like eating pizza every day. It's great at first, but if you eat it too much, it ruins it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I haven't hit that point ever, but I'm just saying. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> Theoretically, it, it can happen. <laughs> so, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn released, uh, in what? It was this month, right? In fact, the first episode came out this month. Or was it. How long have we been playing this game? We did. What, three episodes? Yeah. Four. Well, this will be four. No, this will be five episodes. Because we do zero, one, two, three, and now four. Yep. So we started this in February. Um, <laughs> and in doing so, uh, we released the episode on the third year anniversary of the game being released. And we did not plan this. We also released it on the day that they announced it was coming to PC. And timely, man, the Sony fans got yeah. so mad about that. It's weird. Weird thing to get mad about. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but Frozen Wilds, uh, what we're talking about today. Um, that was released in no- the the DLC was released in November uh, November of 2017. So, uh, what about six months, seven months after? Yeah. Um, and I guess that, that, that they never planned to do any more DLC, right? That was just that was going to be it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, I remember how long to beat said around 10 hours to complete. So I was like, okay, well, we'll see how we do this. It didn't take me that long. Now, granted, I did mainline the living crap out of this. I also think the armor helps. The armor most certainly helps. But, as Matt alluded to in the last episode, they do try to hinder it some. They do a very... Very minimal job, though. Instead of being like, here's a story reason why you need to wear different armor, murmur. I was like, oh, God, please don't make me do this. No, they uh, they introduced a new gameplay element, at least. Yeah. It's good, it's good that they decided to do that rather than just say, oh, we're going to Metroid this and just say, oh, you lost it. Or it doesn't work yeah. anymore. So, um, I guess to start off, like, it took me forever to figure out how to activate this thing. The DLC the, in general? Yeah, the DLC. I was just like, I had to look it up. 
How do you start the DLC? You, yeah, you literally just go to a spot on the map that they did you already, the entire game. Did you already have the the mission that sends you there? I did not. Uh, oh, that's did, when, did, when did you install the DLC? After I beat the game. Yeah, so if, if you had installed it beforehand and played through, you would have gotten a mission that would have made it a bit more organic on how you get there. Yeah, so I, I did technically. So there was three people I could talk to. I went to the closest person I could find and talked to that person, and they said, hey, there's this other area you can go to up the mountain. And I was like, okay, cool. And so that's where I went. So... Here's the first thing that really hit me when I started this DLC. The facial animations are way better in this. Uh, yep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say everything is way better in this. Aloy's movement looks more natural. Like she has to wade through the snow because the snow has yep. weight now. Uh, the cutscenes with people. Even when you're kind of having the close-up, I'm just going to call it the uh, Bioware sort of conversation. I'm going to stand here, you stand there and talk to each other? They're they're far more animated. Yep. Like, they, not just in the face, but the people move. Now, like, every... It, it, it almost feels like... It's like it, it was directed. It feels like... Yeah, and but I mean, like, even I meant more on the technical side. It feels like I don't want to say this is a one point five. It feels like they were they were stuck using old tech, and that this was like like for the base game, and then they had already developed this for their next round or whatever, and then were like, well, let's do something with it now because of how advanced parts of this feel. Like just the snow, the snow itself looks amazing. The way it deforms when you walk through it, and and um, I don't know. I'll, I'll jump into it now because so uh, I've said before that Death Stranding works off the same engine. And let me tell you, the snow in that game is amazing. This part of the game makes it very clear on why the engine was chosen. Because I saw no real value to choosing Decima before this. But seeing the Frozen Wilds and the things that they do with the people and everything, wow. Again, it feels like a different game. It feels... Technologically, it feels closer to Death Stranding, which came out last year, than... Um, the base horizon, which came out the same year this was, so, so it, yeah. it, it's fascinating. And speaking of Death Stranding, I noticed something. I don't know when it was added, but I had picked up some items that were called it was stranded figure, uh, stranded necklace, and stranded cuffs, and which are all key plot elements to Death Stranding. I won't go into why, but um, <laughs> it's fascinating. I don't know when those were added, but you, you, they don't they don't actually show you what the item looks like, but when you go over the item, it's uh, the uh, character from uh, Hideo Kojima's like, logo, 
it's his head. It's um oh god, lumens, like um helmet. It, I I don't know when I picked them up even. I don't know if that's a thing that people talked about. I don't because if they were added closer to Death Stranding, I don't recall that ever happening. But um, maybe these were in there a long time ago. Like, yeah, fascinating stuff. Anyways, sorry that was my sidetrack. That's okay, but um, yeah, uh, and I'll go ahead and go on record saying that. I prefer this deal. Everything I did in this DLC over anything I did in Horizon Zero Dawn. Really? Yes. And there's one big factor. You don't fight humans in this DLC. You can. You, you can, can, but I did not. I see. I I enjoyed fighting humans. Because whacking them once with the the staff with a heavy attack felt good. Um, also, I'm pretty sure you... So I did fight the humans, and I got a special weapon because of it. Okay. Yeah, um, that, that's one thing apparently the, the DLC does a lot better. I also kind of mainlined it a lot like you did, Drew. But apparently they've added a, a few more rewards in for doing the side missions. You actually can get reasonably good weapons from doing side missions, so... It's a little bit more incentive, at least. Yeah. So I, the only side thing I did in this was the tall neck where you had to bring it back to life. Yeah, that, that was, was a nice change, that change was of pace. Awesome. Which, fun fact, was the only tall neck in the game I did. <laughs> really? Yeah, I never did a single tall neck in the original game. And I only did one cauldron, technically two, which we'll get into. Good old Epsilon. But, uh, yeah, so uh, traveling up to this new area, uh, having to climb a mountain, essentially. Uh, Silence is like, where are you going? What are you doing? This has nothing to do with with my stuff. And we're like, and well, this we is don't. the most... Yeah, this is the most aggressive Aloy gets towards him uh, at this point, but without choice. And she's like, are you afraid I'm going to find something out? And he's like, no, I'm blah, blah, blah. And it's like, all right, well. Yep. I heard some of these Banuk people uh, like to put this glowing strings of wire in their skin, kind of like you do. So... I'm going to go talk to him. So, uh, we make it to the top of the mountain. We make it to the new area and are greeted with a few things. Uh, first, we're having a funeral. Uh, there's a funeral going on uh, for some of the Banuk. Uh, typically, they burn their dead, but this time they allowed Glint Hawks to come and take them away. <laughs> Uh, and this is when we're introduced to our two main characters. Well, one main character of the uh, of the DLC, uh, uh, the chieftain of the Banuk, uh, Artuk. Is that how you pronounce it? Artuk. 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 And um, 
he is getting ready to lead a new expedition um, into... All right, so it's a volcano. (laughs) (laughs) They don't know what it is, but uh, they... uh, they're wanting to go so there's there's a new type of corruption what it's what looks like corruption that Aloy is used to that has taken over a lot of the machines in this area uh, this time it's purple flavor yeah this time it's purple instead of red but uh, uh they call it the daemon that is corrupting everything uh, and it's originating from this mountain, which also is on fire, uh, and it's smoking, which, you know, these tribal people don't understand what a volcano is. Although Aloy knows what a volcano is. Maybe she just heard it in her travels. Uh, did she... Yeah, I don't remember. Do you remember that she knew that ahead of time or not, but... Alright, yeah. Also, it, it irritates me because it's not pronounced Damon. It's pronounced Demon. True. Still. I just, that's a... I, I do appreciate them using a computer term, though. Like corruption, you know? Yeah. And there's not both computer terms to describe. Yeah. So, uh, in order to get permission to even go, we have to go talk to one of the oracles or uh, the spiritual leaders, um, which is the second character, main character of the DLC, uh, Araya. Yeah. Uh, and she is in this kind of like her her asylum, which is up on another mountain. Uh, and getting there takes a little while, but um, we start to understand that it's it looks like some type of a hub area for, um, I guess, an AI. Which well, I mean, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, it, it houses an AI at one point. It's a remote location. Shocker. And uh, she's, you know, trying to get it to talk to her. She calls it the spirit. Uh, and, uh, it talked to her a long time ago, but now it won't. So when we make it there, um, Aloy works her little magic now that she can override stuff. And I much prefer these puzzles. Yes. These are much better, more interesting puzzles than the turn the locks. Yeah. Neither of them are very advanced as far as puzzles go, but this one's at least a little more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Did you skip over the bear thing fight? That's so going up to there, which was like kind of like a proving for the uh, it's not oracles. What is it? I don't remember, man. Shaman, shaman, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's the big one. So when we first get into the area, we run into the fire breathing guy, which is really annoying. He's very aggressive, um, <laughs> but they're not as bad as the bears. Uh, the, bears the bears, yeah, bears. the bears are really annoying. <laughs> and, 
And they, yeah, the frost claws. Yeah, they really like to throw them after you too. So um, yeah, we run into one of those. It's optional; you don't have to fight it. Yeah, uh, I did fight it though. Yeah, me too. Like I say, it's optional. You're a bull bitch if you don't. But <laughs> no, I I I found myself having to tie that bastard down to shoot most of it off. So here's uh, that's interesting. I stopped using the rope caster. I have the I, I used the shadow rope caster, so it's a little bit stronger. So I didn't have the shadow rope caster, and that's one of the issues I had with this DLC was I could not find a regular merchant in this area to buy something. Dad, there's like one, and they carry the shadow slinger only. Yep, and I was like, well, that's useless. That that being said, wow, the, that blue gleam merch uh, is really strong. Uh, now I have a weird question. You said you didn't know none of the side missions. Did you do the one with the spear? No. So I've been collecting in the main game all these triangle um, modifications. And it's like all spear damage, and I said, but I can't connect this shit to anything. Yep. That's what they're for. Okay. I kind of figured. Uh, it does a lot more damage. You'll still find yourself not using it a lot, but it does, like the fact that they do offer more damage on your spear was nice, but it was like... I really wish they had had something like that in the main game that allowed you to at least get one slot of of uh, modification. Yeah. That's kind of irritating. So, yeah. Uh, luckily, I had finished the game, so it was on the last mission whenever I loaded back up. So I had my electrical spear. Um, so that was helping me out some. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, throughout most of this DLC, unless it was a, a Frost Claw, I speared everything. I just ran up to yeah. everything and started whacking it. Yeah, anything smaller, it, it's really nice to be able to, with one or two heavy hits, knock them over yeah. so that they're dazed. I mean, you do quite a lot of damage if you can and get... And do the, do the finishing attack, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You get that basically three-hit combo that kills almost anything that's smaller. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, back to the puzzle, finish the puzzle and we awaken the spirit. Um, the spirit talks to us saying that the daemon has taken over her and we need to help her. Uh, but then it's cut off. It's almost like a distress signal. I, now there's a part here where the daemon voice comes over that I really liked because it just says uh, something along the lines of like unauthorized action return to protocol. It's it's literally just telling the computer because I mean all this stuff is AIs. It's telling it to get back on task like a middle manager. <laughs> um, it, it, but it was fascinating because the way that they've presented AI up until this point has been sort of, even with um, Hades, like they, they've kind of been pre presented as people. 
and this is like whatever this daemon thing is it just sounds like a machine yeah mm-hmm. so uh with um Araya's guidance she allows us to at least try to convince um the chieftain to let us go to the mountain or the the volcano thunder's drum right? yeah uh but we have to first uh prove ourselves to be able to even challenge him so we get an option there's three options that we can choose from uh i chose to do the hunting grounds thing uh see i did the i'm going to go and fight those guys at the bandit camp Mm. and i think one of them is go and collect fucking paint uh right or is that a totally different I thought there was like four options, and one of them was like, "Go talk to this person." They're like, "I'd like some stone for my paints." Am I crazy? I I don't know. I I immediately went to the. Okay, well that's fair. <laughs> yeah, see, I didn't get that far because I assumed I was going to do all of the options. So I'm like, "All right, this one looks good. I'll start here with the with the trial." I, I was pleasantly surprised when I didn't have to do the hunting grounds. I had zero interest in doing any of the hunting ground stuff in this game, uh, even the base one. So I was like, yeah. oh, that's lovely. Yeah, I have never done the hunting grounds. so Yeah, I did in the base game. And uh, so I said, well, let's try this hunting ground thing. And I did it. Got second place my first try. And that was good enough. So that was all I needed to do. Um, and so after showing our, our worthiness, uh, we go up to him, the chieftain. I'm still trying to, I'm still blanking on his name. It's Aratok. Yeah. Aratok, Aratok. Aratok. And, uh, we challenge him. We throw down our spear. It's like, okay, let's go. You challenge me! Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> And whoever wins becomes the new chieftain. And you find out the shaman is his sister. Oh, trauma! Yep. And I was like, well, that's, uh, that's a little wrinkle we didn't expect. Some sibling rivalry. But, uh, so going into the challenge, uh, we have to do three different types of hunts. Uh, we have to hunt cer- a certain amount of things. Like the, there's a spotter that tells us what we have to kill. And then we have to go send up these signal balloons. The kicker is we have to do all this before he gets it done. So if his balloon goes up before ours, he wins automatically. So we got to beat him yep. three times. Yeah, now- plus that extra wrinkle where we have to beat him on every trial, not just... With all the trials. Yeah. Now, I have a question for you, too. Did either of you think this was going to be on a timer of some sort? Um, I kind of figured I did. Yeah, I wasn't sure, because I kind of thought, like, this is key to the story, but I feel like if they 
you know, they, they're going to want me to win, so I, I couldn't tell how they were going to structure it. Right? But, it. It wouldn't make sense to get, like, three-quarters of the way through and then be like, oh, well, you didn't. Go back to the beginning and start over. Yeah. I but, was pleasantly surprised that none of this was timed. Yeah. Uh, like, I me know too. that seems like a minor thing, and I know this game had not done anything like that up until this point, but, I mean, it really was like... Uh, I thought... I have to say this about this entire game. Every time I thought they were going to force me down one of those unfun gaming portions of, like, here's a, you have to watch this person as they go along. Like, that person's always like, oh, I'll, I'll just meet you there. Like, oh, okay, perfect. I don't have to escort them. Uh, oh, this is going to be timed. No, it's not. Like, I, I was impressed that they were like, oh, no, this stuff is never fun. Let's not do that. Anthony, I don't know if you saw it, but it was timed. Was it? Yes. There was a timer. It gave me five minutes for the first round, and I had minutes left over, and it added minutes on top of it. Where was the timer? I noticed none of this. It was directly... Yeah, I I didn't see that. It was right in the middle, up at the top of the screen. Fuck off. I, I, they <laughs> must be generous. I don't, I did not see that at all. There was plenty of time, but yeah, it was definitely timed. Wow. I figured it was just like every time he just was releasing the balloon at the same time. Like, oh, that's a, a interesting way of doing this. Well, I was wrong. Apparently. Whoops. Yep. There's, there's definitely a timer. I saw it. Huh. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter anyway, because after you get through the second round, you get ready to start the third round, and the spotters aren't there, and they're like, what's going on? And then three, count them, three of those giant bears show up. Yeah. And There's no way I thought to do this other than to cheese them somehow. Well, the good thing is, is two of the bears are already wounded, and they're almost dead. But there's one bear that's got full health. Um, and Captain Useless that's supposed to be helping me is <laughs> Captain Useless. So, Yeah, don't yeah. worry. I'll run around and, and avoid damage from this. Don't worry about the me. I, I got this. Yeah. You, you just sit there and do whatever the fuck you're doing because you're not helping out. Yeah, noticed that myself. That was annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Occasionally distracting a bear or two, but that was the most contribution he made for me. Um, but yeah, it took a while, but I finally took those guys down. Yeah, it did take a while. I had to spend a lot of my time hiding in those little hallways. Yeah. Under the rocks. Under the rocks there, yeah. But uh, yeah, took them all down. And uh, after that, everybody comes back out and is like, well, contest is... uh." Null and void. And then our attack's like, no. You, you, you busted your ass. You, you can be chieftain. Which Aloy really doesn't care about being chieftain. She just wants to go to the freaking volcano. <laughs> it seems yeah, like they could have maybe had a sidebar discussion about that and, and figured that out without having to go through this whole trial. Exactly. So, uh, now, first order of business is the new chieftain. Uh, I'm going to the volcano, uh, and you can come with me, and I'm also taking your sister. So, that's what we do. 
uh, end up going, it's a very long way there. Um, but finally make it there. And this is like the beginning of the end here. I was like, man. I'm yeah, like, it's very, it is a very quick wrap up. Yeah. So once we enter in through here, um, Aloy pretty much starts to realize right away that this is a cauldron because they're making, they're making robots here. Uh, but this is a pretty big one. Uh, and talk about, there, there were a few annoying parts here, like having to solve jump puzzles to basically bring these two useless people with me. Yeah, that, that wasn't as brutal as it could have been though, so it never really bothered me. True. Because I felt like I would have had to do that jump puzzle anyway. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, because it's just a simple, like, oh, you finish the jump puzzle, and then you just bring them forward. Instead of bring them, uh, do a small jump puzzle, bring them forward, and then have to do another jump puzzle, bring them forward again. Like, I didn't feel like I have to keep going back. All I had to do was go kill all the guys in this area. They're going to move to the spot they need to. I do the jump puzzle, then we move on. Yeah. And, like, that's far better than having to drag them every step of the way. Yeah, that's true. Again, yeah. I feel like it's just, it's it's somebody knowing enough about, like, what isn't fun in a video game to be like, whoa, 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 minimize that. And, like, again, something that I felt this game in general did very well was not make this game insufferable to play. Yeah, I kind of lined this up with the tall neck of even if this doesn't really add a lot, it at least changes the way you go through this cauldron a bit relative to the other ones in the same way that there was, you know, kind of a little bit of a unique twist to the tall neck. So, you know, I appreciated that coming back to it, at least they added a little bit of spice, even if it wasn't terribly spicy. You you just mentioned it because we won't have time otherwise. Can we? Can I just say that tall neck was the coolest part um, for me in this uh, DLC? Like that was the coolest part. What the tall neck's been like destroyed by other machines, and you have to go and get the parts back to repair it. And then as soon as you repair it, it stands back up out of the ice. Like that was so awesome. Like that's such a unique idea that like I kinda wish they explored. Like they they're just these giant machines that walk around and nothing attacks them. Like we know the machines attack each other. They are massive. Like the scrappers eat like watchers and stuff. So it's like it's fascinating to me that like nothing like there was like we, we went through a bunch of like destroyed um uh walkers but like none of them that were like repairable so the fact that the tall neck here was like you know damaged and then it stood back up was neat to me like I, again this this whole add-on was more cinematic overall yeah in a good way it was a yeah. good and... oh go ahead matt i was just gonna say and also i thought that the combat was at its best I thought it was this was more challenging than the base game, uh, a, a bit more of that frenetic. Like I'm kind of running around, like oh shit, I need to, 
you know, I, I need to be crafting on the fly or reloading essentially on the fly. And I, I, I don't know. I thought that some of the fights, especially the very last one, were rather intense. Yeah. And we forgot to mention the whole new mechanic of the reason why it tries to nullify your armor, which is the towers. Uh, there are control towers that are basically sending out this EMP that will then reduce your shields to nothing every time it pulses. And heal robots. Yeah. So, did you? how did you deal with them? I would sneak up to the tower as fast as I could and deactivate it. So, did you notice that you could destroy them too? I did notice... After I had uh, overread them, <laughs> I I started doing that instead because uh, you get a dam. So when you hack them, it sends out an EMP blast that like stuns and da- does a little bit of damage. Yeah. But anybody standing near the tower when it when you destroy it gets damaged still. So I'm like, well, there's no benefit to me running up there and putting myself in a risk to get a one EMP blast. But like I, I like that concept. It was again not a. They didn't just take away your armor. They they challenged you as a player. Instead of like, well, you're in the new area, so we're taking away all your powers. Like, uh, yeah, like I thought that was cool. And also tying it to the fact that it heals the enemies, so it's not just something in there to like nerf you. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating, fascinating game design there. Like, just again, normally someone else would be like, "Well, we're taking away this armor because it's kind of broken. It's only meant for end game." And so the fact that they're like, "No, you can still have it, but we're gonna have moments where we challenge you as a player." So. Yeah, we're gonna make you work for it. Yeah, I I think that's great. Like, this is it's weird because like I was kind of like. Yeah, the game's fine in the original base game, but like the size of the Frozen Wilds and the gameplay of the Frozen Wilds, it's like night and day difference almost. It's it's the difference between GTA three and San Andreas. I I agree, but uh, I and I like how they can, they can t- toggle Sorry. it with the towers as well, right? Like it's not just like you're constantly being affected; it's you know, it's yeah. only in certain areas. They, they've they've kind of structured it so it it's there when it's needed. Otherwise, yeah, feel free to have your armor when it doesn't matter. And then, you know, not not to get to the end already, but I like how they can then bring that in mid battle. Yeah, yeah, and it helps out there. So, uh, yeah, uh, going through this cauldron. Uh, throughout, we get small hints of what is going on here, what the spirit actually is, what the daemon actually is. Um, so the spirit is actually named Scion, uh, and it is an AI. Uh, it is being taken over and corrupted by it's cyan cyan yes cyan is a type of car okay excuse me i pronounced it wrong well well the reason why it's important is that cyan is the color that all of the um oh god 
the Banuk wear. Right? The, the the blue gleam or whatever. The blue gleam and everything is cyan color. So like here's this godly voice talking to them and it gives off a blue color and its name is cyan. Okay. Um, but it's 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 an AI that's not attached to, um, as we learn, um, Gaia. It's it's an AI built to make sure the volcano doesn't explode. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, eventually, we make it to the point where we can talk to her for a little bit, and uh, she tells us all this information. Kind of an out. Um, the thing that is corrupting her is one of the parts of Gaia. Um, Anthony, you brought up that that wiki that had like a... Hephaestus. Yeah, which one was that? That's the one that's made for terraforming. Ah, uh, gotcha. Uh, she says it later on. Uh, Cyan, when explaining um, it later on, uh, she says that it's the terraforming uh, aspect of Gaia. So it is the, it is the like, the first thing that has to take effect in, in Gaia's, like, system load, because the world has to be set up for things to work. Right. Was it general terraforming? I thought it was the one that was in control of uh, production of other machines. No? Uh, I believe it's part of, like, it... Give me a second now. Now you're questioning me. Um, that's this. Because um, I, I thought they were all kind of related to the terraforming process. Uh, da, 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 da. Except Apollo. Uh, yeah. Except Apollo, yeah. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, sorry, you are correct. Um, it is the part that makes machines that uh, would detoxify the planet's uh, terrestrial aquatic and atmospheric conditions. Um, yeah, Cause that, you cause are Because that kind of led to one of the things that I thought was more interesting in this uh, part. You, you will get to it. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking yeah. about. You're right. I apologize. But it's the it's still the first. I think it's supposed to be like the first one that comes out. That goes online? Yeah. Yeah. Because it has to purify it before life can come out. Um, problem is a stupid fucking wiki. No offense to the people that wrote it. Like, from Gaia, I should be able to just bring up every part of Gaia after. Um, but then, so this is why I was confused. There is another one that's a- Aether, which is the atmosphere. Um, detoxifying the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And stuff like so. It's it's just there's a few overlapping ones, but I mean that's gonna happen. So yeah. gotta build some redundancies in. Yeah, like let me see here. Um, yeah, Poseidon is detoxifying the Earth's poison seas. Well, isn't Hephaestus doing that if it builds the robots that do that, or is is Poseidon in control of certain robots? Um. Maybe in Horizon 2, we'll see the sea robots. Well, I mean, we do have the crocodiles. The snapjaws, or whatever they're called. Right? Snapjaws? Yeah. Yeah. Snapmaw? Snapjaw? One of the two. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah. I, I guess we should just go ahead and get into what ends up happening. Well, I mean, so we, we go through we go through the volcano. We get into, like, the actual cauldron inside of it. Because really what we are in is the facility where uh, Cyan is maintaining the explosive. We find out it's Yellowstone National Park, by the way. Yeah. Um, and this is the volcano that will go off. So Cyan was put into effect to stop that from happening. However, at one point, members of her team that built her go to work on Project Zero Dawn because the world is ending, and Cyan gets kind of taken offline and eventually, again, woken back up. Um, and so we go further in, and we find that inside the cauldron um, there's more corruption going on from the uh, the daemon. And so we uh, end up having to fight a fire claw. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, so it's a bear that instead of frost, it's fire. Great, and it's bigger, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, too. It's definitely bigger. And more bigger. aggressive. Yep. And it takes, takes more damage to beat. And I, I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't hating this fight, honestly. This is, like, a really good yep. fight sequence. And the fact that it kept introducing the towers back to try to shut down my armor was kind of neat. And then they'd have, like, you know, some some basic enemies come in. Nothing too strong as to take away my attention for too long. But what I'd do is I'd use the rope caster to tie down the fire claw, beat all the enemies around it, because... I didn't realize the only reason why enemies break out of the um, the rope caster is when they have ma- like it takes them more time. But if you do damage to them, they break out quicker. Yeah. So I um like you beat that and you uh, start to override the system, and the daemon says no <laughs> and shoots you back. And uh, what's her name again? The the shaman. Orea. Orea. Aurea then sort of sacrifices herself and shuts it down, and you escape with our attack um, in a pretty neat cinematic sequence where um, throughout the game, when you're in the cauldrons, there's these, like, hovering crates that move through. Yeah. And Aloy decides that she throws a bomb at one of the tracks on the side, so it shunts her out the the uh, side of the, like, through a hole in the mountain. Convenient I thought that was... slit in the mountain. Yes. <laughs> uh, I thought it was a neat concept. I'm glad I didn't have to actually play it out with quick time events either. Yeah. Not a dog. Um, and so uh, we escape, and then you go back to the remote location where uh, Cyan has put herself... Uh, because she exploded the volcano, although she says that her work has been so good that it'll be 4,000 plus years before that volcano goes off again anyways. Yeah. So, uh, we go back and then we see Artak listening to uh, voice recordings of his sister. He leaves and you talk to Cyan and then Cyan drops one of my favorite parts of this entire game. Okay, go Which for is what it. Matt was talking about. Okay, go Matt. for it. Whoever wants to do it. 
Well, now I'm not sure if we're talking about the same thing. So, uh, oh, you know, what, okay. what are you? Uh... So, so she, uh, so Aloy says to Cyan. So Hephaestus is like corrupted, clearly, because he's making all these robots that are aggressive. And Cyan says, or you're destroying a bunch of robots, so he, of course he's angry about it. He makes those, and he's trying to save the the Earth, so he makes more. And they get more aggressive, because you just keep destroying everything he's working on. So you're, like, you are the problem in this situation. <laughs> and, and yeah. like... Aloy goes, what, are we not allowed to scrap them for parts? And it's like, that's kind of the point. Yes, you're not allowed to scrap them for parts. Like, that is what's making them more aggressive. I thought that was ingenious. That Hephaestus isn't really evil. Hephaestus is just doing its job. job. And is getting getting irritated by the fact (laughs) that a bunch of people are fucking it up. I was like, "That's, that's so smart. Because even, like I was saying before, like, when when it when it takes over Cyan, it only sounds like a machine. There's like no emotion before. It is like get back to work, and it's like that is a fascinating take. That it's not really being spiteful because it hates people. It's being spiteful because it has to keep producing robots, so it has to keep making more aggressive machines because they're being hunted. Like, that was an interesting twist. This whole game, like, it's kind of like, oh, it's a glitch in the system, and it's like, maybe it's not, maybe it's our fault. <laughs> that was my favorite part of this DLC. It's it's a throwaway line, too, and it's like, maybe two or three lines of dialogue inside a part where you can just keep talking to her about random stuff. Yeah. 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 I, I exhausted every of the every piece of that dialogue that you can have with her, too. I, I was like, this is clearly the end, you know, I, and anything I could do to, to add a little bit of richness to this world, I want to. So that, that was really cool. I, that was a, half of what I really liked at the end here. I, I, I love that, yeah, the people are the problem. Hephaestus is essentially just doing its job, defending itself. But I like that it also took it one step further and created the, I don't know if it's the Scorchers or the Frost Claws, but they they have no other function other than to attack humans. It's like Hephaestus got so upset that it stopped <laughs> making terraforming robots and started making anti-human robots. <laughs> yeah, and I I just thought that was cool too. Like it's changed its whole approach just because it's so upset with us. And it's upset within like reason too, like which is the thing that like didn't make sense necessarily with Hades. Um, outside of like something turned Hades on, so God knows what the signal was. Like Hades just seems to have spite, right? Like it doesn't. It almost doesn't make sense. Like I get that Hades' purpose was to destroy everything, uh, but that could have been done without being spiteful, like a spiteful little robot ball. Um, because like it could have just been like this is the way it is. Like this is the way things have to be, and right, it could have been unfeeling, but it it felt anger and here's Sephestus where it's like no I want, I'm just doing my job and now I can't do my job so this is how I have to do my job now again like based on the very little dialogue you hear from it but it's it's presented in a way where it's less it's less feeling than every other AI yeah 
that's that's one of the things the big takeaway for me there was there was a couple of things that that you guys were talking about uh and and just the fact that why is it trying to go after uh you know this AI this AI is obviously older than Gaia it's been around it was made for the sole purpose of making sure this you know volcano doesn't erupt and you know it's a terraforming system saying okay this thing is hindering me from doing my job i need to get rid of it and so that's the whole reason why it was doing it um but the 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 bigger takeaway from me was this the very small talk about pharaoh uh the okay you're going to have to oh right pharaoh built cyan right exactly so Pharaoh at one point was a good guy. Yeah. In fact, and he then started building war machines. He he actually started the the robotic renaissance, if you will. Basically, like before he came up with so many technological advances that the human race was pretty much on cloud 9. Like yeah, it, there was medical advancements because of him that was, you know, just convenience everything and everything was going great he was like uh, in fact I think it said the media dubbed him as the man who saved the world so I like that I like how it I, 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 I now have to ask you Drew do you feel the same way you did before uh, no like it is, it, I, I like. I feel like that. Okay, first, that I didn't feel that vindic- way to begin. No, with. I know, but I, I, I have to ask that question because you did play that part last time. I know. Like I feel a bit vindic. Like it, again, go back to the other thing or, or the last conversation we had. Like again, it's like a well, I can be trusted with this knowledge, so no one can be trusted with this knowledge. It sounds like Ted Farrow really fucked everything up. <laughs> He he just he he you know die a hero live long enough to see himself become the villain. Really went for that second one. Yeah, it's all in on both halves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and then you go outside and talk to uh, Aratak, and uh, you give him back leadership, which I I'm glad they did. I'm glad you weren't left being, yeah, you know, um, because it was never about that. And so I'm glad that that happened. I thought that was a pretty well done conversation, like emotionally, even even though I wasn't like feeling sad for any of the characters. Like it 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 made sense that he felt bad because he couldn't save his sister. So like, what what place does he have? Because he's already had led a bunch of people to their death before in the cauldron, so or a um, facility in the in the uh, volcano. So um, I like that portion, but I was I and I I thought maybe we'd go and see Hephaestus at least in this game, but no, I my that was being saved for later. Um, I assume, but uh, I was impressed by the fact that uh, Silence calls you one last time. Yeah, and the tone of that conversation is definitely more aggressive than any other one. Yeah, because 
you find out at one point by asking um Araya. Thank you. <laughs> I keep forgetting your name. Uh that he said he was a shaman from a different tribe and he came down to visit them. Uh and and when they double checked with that tribe, there was people that said, Yeah, he's a shaman with his tribe. And so they had meetings with him and they went and did this expedition or whatever and then they came back and all their stuff was gone. Silence had took it. And when they went back to the other tribe, all the people that vouched for him were gone. And when you talk to him at the end of this, he, uh, you, you tell him, like, I know you killed people and uh, I know you're not a good person. Sort of. And he's like, I did not, he's like, did you warn them? She goes, did you warn them? And he's like, no, that is the only thing I'm doing for you. Back off. It's <laughs> like, it's really weird, like, what an interesting, like, I've never, I don't, I can't think of too many games where they, where they give a character, like, such a neutral stance on everything. Like, is he a bad guy? He helps you out in the game. Like, he doesn't seem to have any true vindictiveness, but at the same time, you hear about all the bad things he's done, and it's like he hasn't really reformed himself either. It's a very odd way to write a character. He's like, he's like Kessler like, from, from Infamous. I think he'll turn out to no. be like that. I I disagree because I feel like Kessler it's only in the final moments of that game do they really delve into who Kessler is and his intentions and in in this game like he's always mysterious like like silence is always mysterious it's always in the gray with him yeah and like Kessler is an asshole <laughs> Right, like he's purposely ruining your life, even if the end of that game explains why. Yeah. He's still an asshole. Like he doesn't. Like I'm pretty sure whether you choose good or bad, like Cole's response is like "fuck you," I'm not going to be that person. So, and he, I'm pretty sure he thinks of like Kessler as a coward too. Regardless, so it, it just it's, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's probably the closest, but I, I, I thought, I, like, I mean, this is the character that, um, oh god, what's the actor's name? Uh, the Lance Reddick. Lance Lance Reddick. All of his characters are very much like this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, it's a very Lance Reddick character because even Quantum Break, he plays some. Kind of similar, but not as morally gray. But game that people should play, by the way, is Quantum Break. It's very good, and it's probably one of the few games that gets time travel really well. What well, does time travel really well? So. I really want to play Control over that. Well, yeah, yeah, I would play Control over Quantum Break any day, but. I played a lot of Quantum Break. Probably played, I don't know, maybe six, seven hours. I almost finished that game twice. 
I have it on PC, but I haven't started it yet. It's 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 a really good story, and it's really good gameplay. But there's some like bad elements to it. That's not what we're talking about. That we'll talk about this after. No, sorry. Well, that's that's the end of the DLC. Yeah, can I just say this is kind of ends on a wet fart? I mean, <laughs> it, it ends. I feel it ends like where it needs to. It ends it, it's where it awkward needs to because, because it's mid game as well. You can yeah. play it after yeah. the. It's just like and we're done. Like what? Like, back, yep. Back to your actual mission. Yeah. So I mean, it feels like this was meant to be played probably halfway through the game, rather no, than at the, the end. No, because the level base is so high. Yeah. I mean, well, if you were doing side quests and stuff like that, you were probably supposed to end the game at, like, level 40. I ended this DLC after finishing the base game at level 41. I got over level 50 and was on my... I think I got to level 51. Yeah. I don't know if there's a cap on this game. Level 60 is the cap. 60. Okay, well then. They added an extra 10 levels for this DLC. Good. So yeah, um, but I hate to say it, but by and far, I enjoyed this DLC more than most of <laughs> the main game. Me too. Because I just think. Like... Oh, go ahead. Yep. I was just going to say on, on the combat, there was also the the point we didn't talk about it the uh, the demonic thunderjaw that you fight in the cauldron before the. Oh the yeah, fight. that was that was a good fight too. Oh, God, I forgot about that, man. There, yeah, there was a good handful of good fights. And this one, I mean, still seeing a robotic T-Rex is still just exciting to me, especially now that you know it's souped up and it, you know, it's charging me. It was a bit more aggressive to me personally than in maybe any of the other Thunderjaw fights in the game. There's not really a whole lot of room for it to maneuver around. So this and the... Uh, the fire claw at the end, they both, they start to come at you once they're damaged, especially. So, bo- both of them, I thought, were pretty good fights. Now, uh, th- these are, this is a side mission um, that I also think were, were way better than the base game. Like, I think this this section of the world in terms of, like, how they built it was far more handcrafted. Um, not to, to belittle the rest of the game, but it's like Everything felt like it had a lot of work put into it because one of the side missions, you go into a like dam, and you have to turn the like you have to close the dam to stop another building from flooding, and so you can go down into that and like that whole level felt so different than other stuff I was doing in the game because there was somebody else commenting on the game, like, inside, like, there was a person with me commenting on what was going on. And so, like, I had to do all these climbing sections to get to other, um, uh, wheels to turn, to tighten, to close the doors, and the platforming was really well done, and then you drain all the water out, and there's a, uh, Snapjaw at the bottom of it, <laughs> and I was like, "That's really awesome that it was there the whole time in the water." But the water was rushing so much that I could, like, I died if I hit the water. And it just the way that facility was set up, 
was was neat because it was this mixture of like current world technology and a little bit of future technology. Like when you go down into these the bases in the mountains and stuff, it always is just this kind of like future tech looking places. No, mm-hmm. this felt like an old building that was like retrofitted with a bit of mod- like future tech. I-, I was really impressed with that. Um, but like just uh, the, the the world being as small as it is, I never felt like, oh, I've got to run across this section too. It's like, oh, no, I've passed by a uh, campfire that's close by, so I'll just get to there first, and then it's not a long trek. Like, this whole game felt like exactly what the main game, like, or this this DLC felt like what the main game should have been, and, and that by that I mean just a bit smaller. Yeah. Concentrated, like it just—it was really well done. Uh, again, I can't believe how technologically advanced it is for like a whole six months—a uh, difference of release. So, so, let me ask everybody this: Now that we're done with Horizon, will we see a Horizon two? Oh, hands down. Yeah. Uh, if you're gonna ask me if Aloy is the main character. I'm going to say probably. Yeah. Uh, and the only reason why I say that is because I think they... I think she's interesting and different enough, and I don't think people are going to want to sit around and le- have another character learn about the old world. Not that it's not possible, but it's just like... I think the idea of having a character who is knowledgeable about the past and present is interesting in a world of where people are only kind of living in the now. Yeah. So I think she, I think she's an interesting character. Um, again, not in only what can what she can do, but like in her story. Um, I don't know how they remove some of the abilities that she has now, other than just some bullshit method. I'd like to see them try to do something uh, smart there. Um, but and I know you haven't played it, Drew. And I'm pretty sure Matt hasn't either. But, like, when you see the size of Death Stranding, um, and I know I just said, like, I'd like something a little bit more compact, like, but, like, the what they do with, like, the water and everything in that world, I'm excited to see what the New Horizon plays like, because if it's anything like Death Stranding, that'll be a really unique experience. Okay. Yeah, also, Guerrilla Games has kind of shown that they like to stay in-universe, right? There's a number of Killzone games, so I figured they're not going to they're not gonna let this go after just one game. Especially when Killzone just doesn't bring in the people anymore. Yeah. It hasn't a long time. Yeah, yeah I, I hate to say it, but I doubt we'll ever get another Killzone. Do you hate to say it? I, I, was, I, was, I was legit a fan of Killzone. I... I feel like it's just—it's kind of like the same as um, Resistance. I don't—I don't need another one. Like I, it, I didn't it was, like Resistance. Uh, I, I don't like Resistance as much as Killzone either. But it's just like I like—I look at those and go, "This is fine," but this is something kind of like I don't—it it, it, like it's not going to be able to compete with the best anymore because it's like the best is so far ahead. 
that I'd just rather you not try it all and do your own thing. Yeah. I'd rather you make a really good sort of more traditional Assassin's Creed experience. Right? When Assassin's Creed has gone and done whatever the fuck they're doing now, which is this huge, sprawling RPG, action RPG, when this game is still very much like the older Assassin's Creed, a la Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah. So. I think they hit something here, and I, like, when I say, like, I want you more like Death Stranding, I don't mean carrying packages, I mean just the terrain and, and, how the world is made and and is played in um, felt more more important than this game ever did. Like I never felt like I needed to run across this desert again. So um, I, I I do hope I I hope what we see with the PC version too is uh, maybe a modding community. I don't know how they're going to release on PC, but like, I'd be fascinated to see what people do inside the Decima engine themselves. Uh, they're going to have a lot of Macho Man Randy Savages to fight. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I I suppose it's better than like the anime booby mods for Skyrim. So true. So uh, I guess we could wrap up with final thoughts. Anybody got any final thoughts? Me personally, I think it was an okay game. It was an okay experience. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like there were times where I was annoyed. There were times where I was genuinely like, I don't want to do any more of this. Like, especially when it came to dealing with humans and their tribal instincts and stuff like that. I wanted to learn all about the past and what happened here. The issue is, is I don't know how much more of the past we're going to learn. We know what happened. We know what they tried to solve. So with the second game, I mean, mm. we could dive more into, you know, all the different aspects of well, Gaia. But I can tell you what I want the second game to do. I want the second game to answer who sent out the signal that awakened Hades. Mm-hmm. Because that's clearly... Like, the fact that something woke up the AI cores in Gaia and took away control from Gaia, there's a story there. There's a story there that it doesn't seem like it's it was a mistake. Yep, and there's also other other AIs that we haven't dealt with, so whatever that signal is could come back, you know, causes the world to start to careen towards resetting again, and... And Aloy is, uh, you know, on on the case. I know people hate water stuff, but I'd love to see water more, like more exploration of like water areas and everything in a sequel. Yeah, I don't know that this is, could be like a long running series, but you know, you, you could easily squeeze another game or two. I would think. No, it has. I think it has its planned obsolescence, um, but yeah. uh, that's okay. I, I, I don't yep. want everything to run forever. You know, yep. like, I'm one of yep. those people that rather you make really good things and, and live for a short while than keep going. And, and like, it, it's amazing to see what Assassin's Creed managed to do after running themselves into the ground. Yeah, especially, you know, in 2020 when there are so many good games, I definitely don't need more you know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not yearning for more content. Generally, I'm yearning for better content. 
Right. Yeah. That's I, actually, there's there, there's a hundred other things I can play other than you know the same game two or three more times. Yeah. I'm stealing that. That's a really good. That's a really good aspect. Like outlook on everything. Like just yeah. I'm not looking for more. I'm looking for better. It's uh, it's a good way of putting it. Um, my final thoughts is this is this is a good game. I can see why people were drawn to this over maybe um, Breath of the Wild because it it feels even though it's not it feels more akin to say a an old school Zelda than Breath of the Wild did. There's dungeons, there's bosses at the end of the dungeons. You know, you get your bow and arrow and yeah, you have to do a little bit of crafting, but then you have your health potions and there's different armor and it it feels like it is the it is a little bit like it is the in-between step of like going to an open world game like Breath of the Wild and and moving from say Twilight Princess or Wind Waker. Uh, I, I, however, would like to note that this game came out around the same time as Near Automata and Breath of the Wild. I played those two games over this, and I don't regret that decision. I think those two, those two games are far superior. Um, one because Near Automata because the story is probably my favorite story in any video game, any media. Uh, although Nier continues to be one of those sort of, like, continuing stories where it's, like, every part of it feels very different, and I enjoy every part of it. I know there's only two, but still. Um, Did you and... play the first Nier? Oh, yeah, it's rough as hell. It is rough, <laughs> but man. But but I'm telling, you, I'm telling you right now, the story in two, I think is better. I have and never like, played two, though. We're going to have to do that, Drew. I, I, I say that only because I know you like the first Nier. And I you did too, right, Matt? Yeah, certainly did. Although so, less, a little bit less for the story and more just for the creativity and you know variety that it gives you. So not only does it, it maintain that creativity, it does a new story within the same universe... That's equally, if not more, fascinating. The gameplay is better too, does it because t- Platinum does it. Does it take place like years and years and years after the first game? It takes place in the same universe, and that's all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> it's 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 it, it is. I, I'm pretty sure I said it before. It is the. If the first game is exploring uh, what it means to be a person and what makes a person, this is exploring what is a person without purpose. As well as exploring previous concepts uh, that Nier explored. Um, it's visually just bizarre. It, like, it's it's one of my favorite games of all time. And is it perfect? No, but I'm, I think the problem is, is that like a lot of games try to be perfect. And I think perfect is boring. Like I'd rather you have flaws yeah. and try to be creative. And I think horizon does enough of it where it's not trying to be that perfect game that it stays interesting. 
like the story wise, but like it's a few steps to the right and it's going down the path of we're trying to make a game that is perfect in every way. And I'm like, it get because it got to those points where I'm like, this is trying to very much be a game that you can play for a long time, and that's not necessarily how you keep me engaged. And on my other one, which was Breath of the Wild, that is the opposite, where it was like, here's every tool you could possibly use from the beginning. Go out and do whatever you want, and yep. we've given you certain things to do if you so choose, but you never have to engage with any of it. Yeah. I was bored so, in that game about two hours in. Oh, really? Yep. So, and, and, and it's it's definitely not for everybody, but it's like, you know, it, so near, like, there's invisible walls in near Automata. It, it feels dated in that way, but I also don't have to go into that thing because there's nothing there for me. And Breath of the Wild is very much the opposite, where it's like, you can climb everything and anything. And so Horizon Zero Dawn is in this weird place where I wish it just kind of told me, like, don't bother. There's nothing there, right? Like, yeah. And then I'm hit, climbing a mountain because the map shows that there's like a crevice there, and then it warps me. It's like, hey, you're not supposed to go here. And I'm like, well, why show it? Like, why even let me think about that going that way if there's nothing there? Um, you know, why give me all this land to go through when really there's nothing to do in it? At least Zelda, like, peppered Korok seeds, or here's a bunch of stuff to make, um, uh, like, outfits or, or meals. Yeah, and and th- and I felt like Horizon Zero Dawn would be like, really, the stuff you need is from animals and robots. So if you're collecting a bunch of, her- like, herbs off the ground, like, those are only great if you're trying to make resistance potions. Otherwise, it really doesn't matter. And it's like, well, if that's all that's in this area, don't have this area, because you've done this in other areas where there are animals, and there are robots, and there's just large stretches where there's no robots, and, like, sometimes I'd be like, that's fine, because I don't really want to fight anything right now, but at the same time, like, then why is this here? Why am I running for, you know, ten minutes? Right, and it's like, in... in I know this is weird because I'm complimenting Zelda on the same thing, but because Zelda was zero restrictions, I was like, well, yeah, I could just fly over this, or I could just warp to anywhere else, or, you know, I'm. but I felt like I'm also exploring a world that is opening up to me slowly rather than Horizon Zero Dawn, where it's like, as soon as you hit the long neck, it's like, here's everything in the area. Well, don't have that then. You know, like, I don't feel like it's a very jarring experience that I understand why some people loved it more than Zelda for sure. But I felt like I got both ends of the spectrum in that same period of time when this game released that I'm not upset that this game I I waited on this game so long. Um, But that's how I feel after I finished it. As I was playing it, I was like, I really shouldn't have waited on this. But. It was the combat that kind of kept me going because the combat was interesting against the robots, and uh, I hope they expand on that, which they did in the DLC. So yeah. I, I don't know. I'm kind of a torn. I, I I like this game a lot, and then I think about some of the aspects of it, and I went like, "This should have been better." So okay, Matt. What about I'm you? not disappointed. I'm not disappointed. I should specify that I don't hate this game. I don't feel like I wasted my time. I, I just yeah. 
Sorry. Uh, I guess I would say first, I actually really agree with that reasoning for liking Near. You know, it, it was it was. I tend to be a fan of something, anything, any media, really, where they're going for something ambitious, and even if it's not smooth, it's not the perfect game as you mentioned. I would I value that kind of that ambition more than the execution sometimes. Um, there's uh, so a, there's I, I a absolutely channel, love the air for that reason. There, there's a channel called Stop Skeletons from Fighting. He used to be the happy video game nerd. And I don't know, I know it's not his quote, but uh, he he thinks about video games and there's no such thing as a good or bad video game. There's interesting and uninteresting ones. And I think Nier is an interesting game, even though it, I think playing that game is very hard to do. So I, I guess I, I would argue... Perfect Weapon is a bad game. It's not interesting oh, or uninteresting. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I mean, there are things that, that are is... just broken. <laughs> yeah, there's things that are just bad. <laughs> Which we saw a little bit of last year. Oh, yeah. What about Perfect Weapon? I removed from my mind. God damn it. Uh, I will forever own that game now. <laughs> oh, I bought it on PSN. I can't get rid of it. Yeah, I can't either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, and, continue. Yeah, but to go back with Matt Near, like there was so many unique things about the first Near that really yep. blew my mind. Yep. Like the whole I felt like we were constantly discovering. Yeah, there was always a new thing. So not only was it like a hack and slash, but it was also like a a shoot 'em up at times. Then there was a dungeon that was completely text based. Yeah, it was nuts. Like that game was insane. And at the end. At the final, final end, you made your decision, and it erased your freaking game save. So, so the new Automata does all that in spades, I think, except for a text dungeon. There you like, go. There's, I don't think there's any text dungeons in, in, in Automata. I can't remember. There might have been. There's a lot to that game, so. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how far I actually made it in that game. I was a good eight hours in, at least. Oh, you started playing it? Oh yeah, I got it day one because oh, I okay. love the first near. Drew, we have to do it at some point. I know, add to the list, all that. <laughs> oh, we cut. Know. I cut off Matt though. I apologize, Matt. You were you were saying like about interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, this, I, I don't want to gush too much about this game. You know, I know I, I can't disagree with anything you just said, but I was just so floored when this game came out. Um. <sighs> To me, it's just a really good combination of... I love the combat in this game. I love hunting the dinosaurs. It was a, it was almost a little bit like... Not, not really like a... Not a Souls game in any way, but I, I liked that when you fought these new big enemies for the first time, you were squaring off one-on-one. I liked the, the variety of the way you can approach encounters. I, I, I don't know. There's this is combat this is really, felt important. Yeah, it felt important. It felt like what I did mattered. Like the, you know, as I went into you know over the last couple of weeks, the the way that you can target certain areas and the, the way that that matters and the way that you can knock pieces off and then you can use those pieces and then you know you're actually changing the enemy's abilities based on what you knocked off. All of that stuff I just thought fit together so well. Uh, and then the fact that I'm using a bow and arrow and a, you know, a trip caster and, you know, these, the weapons felt interesting, even if I probably spent 
75% of my time just with the bow. Uh, so, like, that's the kind of thing that really, really hit well for me. So, there are some negatives. Like, I, I really thought that the combat in the beginning of the game is better. Like, I, I love that very first fight where you actually have to use your little trip caster and you could, you have to, like, hide from some of the enemies because they just tower over you. And even in the end of this game, when you, you know, your last two big boss fights, when they are a formidable challenge, it's a much different challenge. It's a much more high impact, like, you need to deal a lot of damage, it's less sneaking, less hiding, less really figuring out the right tool for the job, and more just blunt damage while you have to do a lot of dodging out of the way, constantly. So, and I, I guess I don't know if you count that as a positive, that it evolves over time and it doesn't stagnate throughout the game, or if you call it a negative because it just gets more and more action-focused. I, I, I don't know, but... That whole system I really liked, and even if it's not a perfect system, I you know I, I just really like the core, the fundamentals of that combat system so much. Uh, you know, and, and essentially the same thing applies to the story. I, I really like the overall story. I like the implications. I like the scale, the scope. Uh, you know, I like that there are individual characters, but there's also this world-spanning and world-ending threat, and it's already happened. Like, there's just so much good about it that. You know, there are certainly negatives as well. The, you know, the way it's told, the way it unfolds, you know, there's per, there's certainly better ways that could have been done. But for me, this game was ambitious in many ways and just blew me away when it came out. And uh, I'm hard-pressed to find a game I've enjoyed more over this last generation. Now, I have say a it's question. the best game, but it, for me, it was the most enjoyable. Now, I have a question for both of you. Did either of you play Spider-Man? For PS4, no. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What did you think? What did you think of the gameplay in that? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I, so I played through it pretty quickly. It didn't. It didn't have quite as lasting an effect on me as a game so, like this did. So I feel that way. The way I feel about the, like Horizon is the same way I feel about Spider Man, where I was far more interested. in in the plot, although Spider-Man's is far more, I think, character-focused uh, yep. rather than Horizon, which is sort of this grand epic tale that yep. they're building, um, where I, I look back at the gameplay moments with not a lot of, like, um, I don't look back at them and go, oh, I really love that moment, right? I, I look back at the story moments and go, that was so good. Like, what a smart idea that was. Uh, you know, um, and then with Spider-Man, it was more of an emotional, like, that one was, that was so good, that hurt me so much, but that was so good. Um, and it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I I don't want to say I prefer the, the story without gameplay, but it's just one of those where it's like, the story is what really dragged me along because I think I would have gotten bored with the gameplay, and that's something that like a lot of games fail from. So I suppose uh, it's a good thing. I, I don't hate this game at all, at all. I, I liked this game. It's just I don't look back with any fondness towards most of the gameplay. Um, you know, I, I do look back on fighting some of the enemies as fun, but when they started introducing like the red eye watchers, I found myself enjoying it less because I couldn't just shoot them in the eye anymore to knock them out. Like, it was these weird things where it's like, I understand why you introduced that, but I, like, 
part of the fun was the stealth, and as I kind of just had to start yeah. engaging with enemies more, I I kind of lost the passion for or for doing it uh, until you threw me in battle with a more interesting enemy. Now, the same thing happened with Spider-Man. I would be going through the city, and I was enjoying myself, but then as they started adding more chaos, I was like, all right, well, now I'm kind of not interested in doing this anymore. Like, this is kind of just the the thing I have to do to get to the next, like, drug hit, almost, like, of how good this story is. And that's something that I can honestly tell you, Zelda did not hit at all. Like, if it weren't for me being interested with the gameplay, I see zero interest in Zelda. Like, there's zero going for... If you don't like the gameplay in uh, Breath of the Wild, guess what? There's nothing for you there. Because there just isn't. And, like, that is something that it's, like, I... Com- uh, a compliment this game on it's like Nier's a weird outlier really because most games either deliver a lot of gameplay or a lot of story and and this is closer to center where it's like this is a lot of game but then it also gives me a really good story attached and that's something that again not a lot of games do I, I do think this is something special I think show- with the Frozen Wilds I'm more excited to see what they do, like, in the future, rather than playing this game again in the future. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, it was, it was kind of gorgeous, but for me, there was just some of the moments. Like, I, I, I don't think I'll ever forget that first time you see a Thunderjaw in this game, when you are so clearly incapable of taking it on, and you have to take this path, you're hiding from it, and you're just you're just kind of trekking through the deserty area, trying to get to to the city, and you just see it up on the cliff. And I was just like, some point, I will fight one of those, but it's not going to be today. <laughs> like I, I'm I, like that's that seeing how overwhelmingly powerful it looked, you know, and knowing that I couldn't take it on. I, I don't think I'll ever forget that walk to to the citadel or to the you know to the city. You know, and, and, and similarly, the first time when you're going up, is it Grave Horde, where you've got the, the frozen kind of Horus class, and you've got all, like, the, the tentacles? Oh, just kind yeah. Just spilling I mean, out, like, that That was just, like, not not only did it look cool, but also it, it gives you a bit of weight. Like, you know a lot, there's a lot of history here. Whatever caused that thing to fall inert in the mountain. The, the storm bird, when the storm bird comes in that, like, cutscene... Yeah, and I'm like, oh yeah. shit, um, like that was awesome. Um, again, this game is not without its moments for sure. Uh, you're right. That was like a couple of times when I saw monsters, like for the robots, for the first time. The first time I ran into Behemoths, they were destroying a, they were attacking like a, a stronghold or something like that. And I went, what is going over on over? There? Oh shit! There's like a big thing that I've never fought before. And then there was another one with it, and I went, well, oh boy, <laughs> like, um. Yeah, I mean, it, there is there is moments. I just kind of, again, I think part of the issue is that this game was so open that it's like there's there's for every moment like that there's yeah, like way too much out. time tacked onto it. Um, but true. Okay. Any other? Uh... I you know I I think it was fine. the The game was you know. It was enjoyable enough. I think that the story was really what what kept me going. I wanted to know what happened in the past. 
I have another thing to bring up. The vantage points are yep. far by far the more interesting. Uh, like some of the, most of the audio logs were kind of trash in this game that I felt were unnecessary. Like it just felt like the video game thing to do. Yeah. And at other times, like the one where it's like the woman is calling the facility, like, where's my husband? Like, that doesn't sound like him. And yeah. then you're listening to, the, and they're cutting up the audio to keep more, like, that's the type of stuff I love in a video game. Totally skippable. Yep. And But it's just so smart. Like, the things that they, people would do to to maintain this fight that's inevitably going to be lost. Um, but the vantage points, even, where the guy's talking about, like, the old worlds, clearly in his final moments or whatever, and you are, you when you turn and you can see the tear in space and time, basically, to see the old version, I want more of that. I want more of this connection between the old world and the new world. Like, that's what kept me going, and it's just, I think every time they brought me back to the tribal st- stuff, I was like, hey, well, here's the gameplay portion. Yeah. yeah. That was that was the biggest thing for me. And while the gameplay wasn't the it's weird because this is essentially a light version of Monster Hunter. And I am a is it? I am a huge Monster Hunter fan. Dude, Monster Hunter all it is is boss yeah. fight the game. It is giant monster kill it. You know, that's that's the, all that okay. game is. And I love Monster Hunter to death, but I think it's because of the grind, you know, killing this monster. And, and Matt, you're right when you say it's, it's, it feels like a Dark Souls kind of game because you are squaring off against this one guy and you're learning its patterns, you're learning its attacks, and you're learning how to counter them. And it is enjoyable in that sense. I don't know. I just feel like... I don't know. I Like, it was... My problem was was that it was mainly ranged combat with enemies that bum rush you, and that's never really fun. You know, with... I go ahead. I never thought about it that way, but you're absolutely correct. Yeah, uh, with Monster Hunter, you know, eighty percent of the weapons in that game are melee weapons, yeah. uh, and you've got. You know, you can play with the bow, but usually you're going to have a better time with somebody using a great sword standing next to you. So it's, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it had all the right ingredients, but it, it just came out kind of flat to me. I'm horribly torn on this game. I'm sure my rambling has made that very clear that I I both really love the aspects that I I like loved, but the moments that I didn't fall in love with are just kind of like a weight on this parts that I loved. Like it's just this thing that just drags them down just enough where I'm like I can't fully love this game as much as I want to. Yeah. You know, it's 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 bizarre, but I mean, I think that's, I think that's a better thing. Where it's like, I feel like I could recommend this game to people more than I could, like, like I could Breath of the Wild. Yeah, definitely. This game is way more easier 
to understand and comprehend than Breath of the Wild. Hey, go here. Which, I mean, they even have the option of having that uh, marker that moves dynamically. Oh, I had that on the entire game, boss. Oh, I turned that off. I hated that marker. Oh, I loved it. I will make my own path. Thank you very much. No, thank you. You tell me exactly (laughs) where to go. Oh, I sprinted straight lines everywhere. If I had to go somewhere, I was like, fuck you. I'm not walking your stupid path. Just straight line. Fuck it. I will will jump over anything. Um, But I mean, like, it, it is... Is not only more accessible, but it's like I think it makes more sense. Even say something than near, where like, you know, you really have to customize uh, 2B's loadout to make that game more enjoyable. Uh, this game, I mean, kind of gives you all the tools you need to enjoy the game, and then it's hey, there's a couple more things you can engage with by buying them, like the rattler, which changed gameplay for me a lot. Uh, and I think that's I think that's also interesting that we all played this game differently. Yeah, I turned it into Monster Hunter. I used the Rattler as much as possible. I was blowing chunks off of the bad guy because I had a machine gun. So uh, I turned this game into I'm just gonna slash at it until it dies, which is how I play Monster Hunter. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I think it was a okay experience. I think. Uh, overall, it was an okay experience. The story was really good. I enjoyed it um, for the most part. Um, I I also think it was still really almost bold in the idea of not making it a mystery. At, you know the the overall mystery of you know when is this? What happened? You know are, are people still alive? I I thought it was somewhat strange that they give you almost the big answer up front and then it's more figuring out the details rather than this big twist or big payoff. I, I, I like the way the story unfolds, even if it seems a little bit non-traditional. Yeah. I'm the same way with that. Like the, the biggest surprise to me was like, where is this? And then I get that one, you know, was it, what was it called again? The, the visual, Oh uh, God! Was yeah, it? Not, not, oh, the, not Denver uh, Stadium. Yeah, Denver Stadium. Yeah, the Vantage Point. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. So, all right. Well, it's just just going to straight up tell me where we are, uh, and then like, okay, well, stuff went down. I mean, we learned this halfway through the game. You know, stuff went down. Mankind was pretty much erased. How did we get here? And that's that's the big mystery: is how did that happen? What happened, and how did it happen? So. It's. I think. I think they did a good job of the storytelling, at least. And and while I was the fan, the biggest fan of the combat, I feel like it was still a serviceable experience. So if I if I were giving this a review, I'd probably give it probably a seven point five eight somewhere around in there. Yeah, as you say, I'd probably give it. The problem is, I'm so I'm so like I'm. I don't know. I probably would have been more kind to it around release. It's aged too, and that's not really fair on it to be like judging it by today's standards. Although I guess we have to because the PC version is coming out soon, right? So, um, but then does it have anything like that on the PC? Really, it's a weird thing where I I, I want to say I'd give it an eight point five. Um, based on how much I love the story, but then it's like again those those moments where I was just kind of running across and like waiting to get to the next part, and like 
only really upgrading my stuff because I was tired of having to... Like, I didn't feel like I had to... I was, like, compelled to be like, I want more arrows or want more, uh, like, Rattler Bolt. Like, so I want to make that package. I'm like, I have to because this game's really fucking annoying otherwise. So it's this weird push and pull where I'm like, I really want to give it a higher score, but I'd probably just round off to, like, 7.58 as well just because of... My my like moments where I'm like, eh, this is okay. Let's see here. Ken McCowan reviewed it for the website, gave it an eight. Uh, the good, the world is amazing, visually stunning, story is really interesting. The bad, half baked systems and frustrating traversal. Why well, not? I have to disagree because I think Ken is wrong <laughs> on everything. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> Traveler on the world was easy once I started on Lucky Campfires, which served as fast travel points as well as places to save the game. It is worth noting that players should see the quest in their menu to craft the gold travel pack early on. The world's littered with monsters, but it feels a bit unbalanced. There were level 14 quests that required me to pass through areas with level 20 monsters, which is frustrating because if they saw me, my life would end it quickly. Uh... A lot of systems in the game, like elemental damage, percentages on weapons and armor, detail abilities. Uh, uh, I love all the things the game does. Hunting missions, for example, are super fun, but players could easily beat the entire game without ever doing them, which is weird. Like I did. I didn't play any of the hunting missions. I, I Listen, like, you were telling me that you used... Um... Uh, the slinger. I, I do not own any of the slingers. I I barely used elemental damage. The only thing I used elemental damage on were fire arrows and lightning and ice bolts from the rattler. And the lightning bolts I found didn't use it. Didn't work very well at all. So I would just use the uh, freeze bolts, which would then freeze the enemy. The slinger. I could easily set something on fire and make it like tick down damage with about four shots. Uh, and with the frost stuff, it may take a few extra shots, but I could, I could guarantee it'd be frozen in place for a few seconds and it would make it easier to knock off, uh, body parts. So that slinger was a godsend to me. Yep. So that's the end of horizon zero dawn. Uh, no emails, uh, unfortunately. So. That's okay, though. You can still send an email about Horizon if you'd like, and we'll read it. Uh, the email is drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can also tweet to us. I'm at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Um, that's uh, that's going to be it for Horizon. Um, our next game is actually going to be Witcher 3. We're going to Hearts of Stone. Um, this is where I'm going to throw out, Matt, would you be okay if we took a week off? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the reason why... I mean, I I know I've caused enough weeks off with my my traveling, so hard for me to refuse that as a request. Oh, true. Uh, the reason why is I mean, the world is being plunged into chaos right now, so Matt, it's not your fault. That's true. I mean, Matt, if you want to go ahead and get started on Hearts of Stone, that's fine. I, I will also as well. 
but I want to take a week off because I fear that I'm not going to get enough done because my job just got substantially yeah. harder uh, today, actually. And I'm going to have to work out a whole new schedule. And I may end up having to work a lot more, which means I'm not going to get as much game time in. So uh, everything's kind of up in the air right now as far as work goes. So I uh, I just want a little bit of buffer time before we start yep. Hearts of Stone. We can start it, like I said, but uh, give me a week to make some progress at least. That's quite all right. I'll spend a little extra time with Doom. There you go. Oh, Doom Eternal? Yep. Nice. But, yeah, um, that's going to be it for us. We may, you know, like, if you're up for it, we may do, like, an intermission or something like that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I could always sit down and, and, and just ramble about stuff. But uh, as far as making progress in a game, I may not be able to do that this coming week. I'm going to have to figure out what I'm going to do at work first. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. But uh, that's going to be it for us. I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, hope you guys have a great week. Until next time, I'm Drew. And I'm Matt. And I'm Anthony. And we're out of here. You guys have a great week. And we'll be back maybe next week with the intermission. If not, two weeks with The Witcher 3, Hearts of Stone. Thank you.